So do you have your New Year's resolution set? Do you do anybody New Year's resolution folks? I, I have one. I just keep saying, well, I want to do the things that I did last, that, that I was supposed to do last year. And then as the next year comes, okay, well, I should have done those things last year, so I'm going to do those things this year. Now, whether you're pro or anti New Year's resolutions, New Year's is a good time to think through where we are in life, right? It's just kind of a natural time to be able to think through last year and, and where we are. And it's also a good time to allow the Lord to remind us where we are and where we should be. And the Lord's faithful to do that. Hebrews chapter 11 is a good passage to end the year with. And it's also a good passage to begin 2017 with. This passage reminds believers of our new life resolution. That resolution is that as justified believers, you and I are called to walk by faith. Now, the theme of walking by faith wasn't a new revelation to the Hebrews. It wasn't something they say, really? Never heard of that before. Nor should it be a new revelation to us. Really, it's the theme of the entire scriptures, as we're going to see from Genesis all the way to throughout the New Testament, believers are called to walk by faith. The just, those who are justified, shall walk by faith. We see an example of this in, in chapter 10. The writer ended chapter 10 by quoting Habakkuk, chapter 2, in which Habakkuk said, the just shall walk by faith. And the New Testament writers, they, they take this verse and they, they quote it three times. We see it in the book of Galatians, right? We also see it in the book of Romans, and now the writer takes it up and we see it now in the book of Hebrews. Walking by faith is an important part of the Christian life. Now, it was given specific to the Hebrews, though, in chapter 6, verses 11 to 12. Listen to what the writer told them back in chapter 6. He said, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And so these, writer, these readers were suffering, as, as we know, as we talked about before. They were persecuted. Their things were confiscated from them. Many of them were, were driven away from their homes. They were mocked and they were, you know, socially outcasts. And some of them had, you know, had a desire to give up, to go back to Judaism, to, to really find rest. And the writer writes to them and says, hey, guys, I don't want you to become sluggish through your situation. But rather, I want you to walk by faith. I want you to walk by patience, walk in patience. And then he says, I want you to imitate those who did that. Now, he only talks about those that they should imitate in chapter 6. But now in chapter 11, he tells us who those people are that they should imitate. So it's really a building block, on, you know, from chapter 6. The writer wanted them to walk by faith and patience. And he's going to show us a number of people who did that throughout the scriptures. This would be encouraging from the Jews' perspective. It was to encourage them to press forward. Now, Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Faith in some titles, but we need to remember that it's only a title. Yes, they are heroes of faith, but they're not superheroes. Oftentimes, you know, we'll read this chapter and we'll think, well, yeah, they're superheroes, and I'm not one of them, and so I'm, you know, I can't really follow their example. Well, that's not true. They're normal believers just like you and I. And the writer gave us this example in order to encourage us, as he did the Hebrews. The Hebrews were to abide in their faith. They were to press forward in their faith, trusting the Lord, not returning back to Judaism. In the same way, for you and I, the Lord has a specific encouragement for us for this new year. He wants, to walk, he wants us to walk by faith, that we would be encouraged to go out 
and to see those good things that he wants to do both in and through our life. So as we explore the topic of walking by faith, we'll learn two things tonight. Number one, how walking by faith affects the believer. And number two, how walking by faith is applied by the believer. So first in verses one through two, we learn how walking by faith affects the believer. The writer begins by saying, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now this verse has been used as a definition of faith, but to be more accurate, this is a description or a characteristic of the believer's faith. You see, this verse does not define what faith is, but it tells us how, a faith, how faith can affect our walk with God. That's really what the writer is focusing on. Now, concerning the faith discussed in this chapter, it's not saving faith that the writer is talking about, but it's, a faith, but it's faith that's mentioned as a principle. It's, it's something that we need to, to learn as it relates to God's future promises as God's future plan for our life. God, through this passage, wants to teach us to trust in him so he can both work in and through us. Now, trust could be a good working definition of faith in this chapter. William McDonald says this. He says, The conviction that what God says is true and what he promises will come to pass. And so that's kind of a a basic definition of faith. It's to trust in God, to know what he says is true and to know what he has promised comes to pass. That's faith. And then how this faith works out in our life is through here. The writer says it's the substance of things hoped for. That's how it applies to us. That's how it affects you and I as a believer. The word substance could be translated assurance or foundation. So you see, the believer can have a sure foundation and assurance in God by faith that he'll bring to pass those things that are hoped for. So you and I can trust God, knowing that all the things in the scripture that are yet future, that are unseen, we have a sure foundation that we can stand on those things and know that they're going to come to pass. Now, the things hoped for are specific things. They're not a blank check. God's not a genie and think, okay, God, I'm just going to hope for some things, a new Lexus, a new Beamer this new year. Maybe I'll go down to Selma Automall and they'll just give me one, right? We're, we're messing around about buying a new car for service. But, you know, so, I mean, you know, it, it's not a blank check. But it's the things that we have learned so far in the book of Hebrews. The things that God has promised us because of our salvation. Things like spiritual maturity, spiritual rest, and our future glorification and blessings with Christ. All these future promises that God has given us are all in his word. And we all can stand on a sure foundation knowing that if God promised them, He's going to fulfill them. Faith is also the evidence of things not seen. The word evidence is a legal word that means evidence that is accepted for a conviction. Now, this phrase, it can be understood two ways. First, it can be understood as our faith gives us evidence that the things unseen will come to pass. And that's kind of similar to the phrase we just saw. The faith we have is evidence that the things that God has promised, he'll bring about. This evidence is not worked up in us. It's not something that we conjure up, but it's something that's produced in us through the indwelling Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is called the earnest guarantee of our redemption. It's like our engagement ring. And so when you believed on Jesus, the Holy Spirit came and lives inside of you. And he is now your earnest guarantee. He has sealed you until the day of redemption, knowing that because he's in you, he'll fulfill that work that God has promised. Just like in the Roman day, they would put the Roman seal on the package 
which was a guarantee that the package would make it to his destination. And even so, the Holy Spirit has filled us. He's come in us. And we have that hope, which is worked out through faith, that the Lord will, will complete those good things that he has begun in us. Another way this phrase can be understood is in light of our witness to the world around us. You see, as we trust God, it's really an apologetic to the world around us that the unseen things and promises that he's given in his word are real and will come to pass. And so God has promised all these future things about heaven and, and about changing a believer from glory to glory. Now, people who aren't reading the Bible, they read you. They see how God is working in your life, and they see how you walking by faith really confirms those things. It's an evidence to convict them of future things. The writer goes on in verse 2 and says, For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. So the focus of the writer is to show the testimony that we can have to God and through our faith to the world. This is demonstrated in verse 2 and also in verse 39. Notice this. First, the writer here says, by it, they obtained a good testimony, right, in verse 2, and then hop down to verse 39. The writer says, and all these, talking about the people he talks about, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. And so verse 2 begins by talking about the good testimony of the Old Testament saints, and then verse 39 gives the summary of the basis of that good testimony, which is that they walk by faith. And so really, the examples that are given in between these verses are all just an illustration to illustrate that main point. The fact is that if you want to have a good testimony like these guys, well, then you need to walk by faith. It's real simple, really. It's like a parable almost. He's given a main truth, and then he's illustrating that truth with all these different examples. Now, these discouraged Jewish believers who are thinking about giving up, they could be encouraged by these Old Testament saints. They can know, man, if I want to please God, it's not going back to Judaism, not leaving my faith, but if I want to press forward and please God, I need to follow the examples of these folks and press forward in my faith. Now, the phrase good testimony refers not just to our outward witness, but it refers to divine approval and commendation. In other words, the heroes of the Old Testament pleased God and they were commended by him, not because of their mighty acts, but because they trusted in God and acted on it. It's real simple, man. We see, you know, we think about Abraham and we think about Noah. We think about all these guys and we think, man, they did amazing things. And Abraham was called the friend of God. Well, it's not because he did great and mighty things, but because he believed God, it was accounted to him as righteousness. It was his faith in the Lord. And the same thing is for you and I. If we want to please God, well, then we just need to trust in him and walk by faith. Now, this brings us to our second point in verses 3 through 7, how walking by faith is applied by the believer. He says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. So our faith that we have in God's future promises is the same as our faith in God's past acts in creation. You see, by faith, we believe that just as Genesis 1-1 says, that God brought the universe out of nothing. God created the universe out of things that were unseen. He spoke the universe into existence. There was no pre-existent matter when God created the universe. That's what the writer is saying here. He was a creationist. 
And so just as God was able to speak these things into existence and we believe that by faith, even so we can trust that God will fulfill those unforeseen things that he has promised us in the future by faith. Now, the faith that we have in past creation and God's future promises is not blind faith, nor is it ignorance, as some want you know, people to believe. It's just all ignorance. Well, you know, they have to check their brains at the door. We know this for a couple reasons. First, it's based on the Word of God. That's what the writer is talking about here. It's based on the Word of God. That's what our faith is based on. And God's Word is true. It's never been proven wrong. It's an accurate history book. We have more manuscripts, more accurate manuscripts than any ancient history book in history. We have over 5,000 Greek manuscripts for the New Testament. And the, the Old Testament is not even really questioned. I mean, you know, because of how they were so meticulous about translating and copying. We have an accurate history book of the things that have come to pass. We can trust the Bible. Second, we serve a God who's all-powerful. The Bible, which is a true history book, has demonstrated through, through human history a number of miracles that have been confirmed that have come to pass. That God has done things that are beyond natural law. And so here's the thing. If God can do miracles and his miracles have been confirmed, well, then why can't he create the universe out of nothing? It makes sense. Third, logic and science bear witness to God's creative acts in the beginning. Someone outside of time and space must first exist for all things to exist. The universe isn't eternal. Scientists even claim that now. They used to say that the universe was eternal, right? But now scientists say, well, no, the universe is not eternal. And since it's not eternal, it had a beginning, and everything which has a beginning has to have a beginner, right? It's called the law of causality. Everything which has a beginning has to have a beginner. Now, atheists criticize believers for our faith in creation, but you know what? They also have faith themselves, no one was there to observe the creation of the universe. Not one person was there. So therefore, it's not observable science. They can't go back and test it. But it's more like a forensic science, right? We look at all the evidence of the past, and then by faith, we make the best judgment on, that, on those evidences. And when we look at the evidence around us, it's very clear that there was a divine creator behind our universe, I mean, science proves that, how our universe is perfect. There's, it's, it's a design. It has to have a designer. And so the faith, our faith in the Bible and faith in God is a better faith than that of atheists. Now, notice our faith in God and his creative acts in the universe gives us understanding. Notice that he says here, it gives us understanding. In other words, it shapes the way that we live. It shapes the way that we understand the world around us. And everything. It shapes the way we, we look at history. If you, dis, if you disagree with that, think about the results of atheism and evolution in our world. More people have been killed in the name of atheism that has been fueled by evolution than any other religion or philosophy. People are always down on Christianity about, oh, what about the Crusades? Well, yeah, Jesus didn't command people to go in there and conquer them. That was all a political ploy, you know, in, in the name of Christianity. But what about atheism? You know, Karl Marx, you know, he dedicated his book to Darwin. And all these things, all these things are fueled by atheism, natural selection, killing people off. And so, so they have a faith just like believers, but we have an accurate faith. But the way that we live in, in, you know, in our faith, it shapes us and changes us. In the same way, 
as you and I put our faith in God's word, which is true, and God who's all-powerful, who can do things and has proven himself to do things, it's going to affect the way that we understand the world around us. It's going to affect the way that we understand our life and the way that we see the world, right? It's going to give us faith. It's going to give us confidence. It's going to give us trust. It's going to give us endurance to press forward regardless of what comes our way. That's how it's applied by trusting God's word and trusting the God who gave us his word. Now in verses four through seven, we have a couple pre-flood examples of believers who applied God's truth and walked by faith. And as you look at these believers, because they walked by faith, they lived the life that you and I all want to live. They were worshipers, right? They were, they were witnesses. They were workers, right? And, and so they, they, they did all these things for the Lord, and we'll see these as we work through these verses. Verse 4, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. And so now the writer points back to Genesis chapter 4, and he records the story of Adam and Eve's first two sons, Cain and Abel. After these two boys grew up, they were men. We're told that Cain became a farmer and Abel was a shepherd. Now God established a place and a time for them to come and worship him. And the way that they were to worship him was based upon the revelation that God gave in Genesis chapter 3. After Adam and Eve fell, God came into the garden and covered them with the skins of an animal. We believe based on chapter 4 that it was a lamb. And so God established that man couldn't cover up their sin by any works, by any fig leaves. But in order to approach God, they had to approach him through the death and the shed blood of an animal. Abel understood that concept based on God's revelation, and he walked by faith in it. Cain brought the fruits of the the ground to God. Now, there's nothing wrong and evil of fruits in and of themselves. Later in Leviticus, God would command a grain offering, right? And so there's nothing wrong with it. But the reason why God accepted Abel's offering is because it was by faith. In faith in God's revelation that he must be approached through a blood sacrifice. And so God commended Abel and he rejected Cain's. Cain could have done right. He said, hey, you know, if you do not do well, you know, you can do well, you know. But if not, sin crouched at the door and its desire is for you. And so Cain could have came back and offered an offering as well. But he, rather, his heart became hard and he ended up killing Abel. Now, the writer here says that though he being dead still speaks, Abel's offering, his faith still speaks to you and I today. And that shows us if we're to worship God if we're to walk with God by faith like Abel, well, then we need to follow God's word and live as he tells us to live, right? Take him at his word and respond to it. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, Enoch is really a mystery character in the Bible. We're not told tons about him. We're told about him in Genesis chapter Um, five, and we're also given information about him here in the book of Hebrews. But all we're told is that Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. He was the first guy who got raptured, right? He was raptured off this earth. Now, why did he please God? Well, because he walked by faith. And so first we see an example of how to worship, which is by faith. Now we see an example of how God wants us to walk, 
which is by faith. It's the Christian life that the Lord wants us to live. Enoch knew God. He communed with him. He, he walked with him, and he responded to who God was by walking differently than the world around him by faith. Verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if we're to please God and have the same testimony as these Old Testament saints, well, then we need to press forward in faith in the word of God. It's, it's very simple. It's very basic, but it's powerful as we take God at his word and respond to it in faith. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of, of the righteous, which is according to faith. So Noah, by faith in the word of God, was moved with godly fear and prepared an ark to save both himself and his household. God came to Noah and said, Noah, I want you to build an ark because it's going to rain. Now, everybody knows that before that time, it didn't rain. A mist came up from the ground and watered the earth. Noah had never seen rain before. He had never seen a flood before. If you were to go around to the scientists around him and the people around him, they think, hey, you know, rain is going to come. They're like, you're crazy, Noah. What are you talking about? I'm going to build a boat. And so for some 100 years or so, 120 years, Noah was out there building this boat. Well, on what basis? Because he believed that God told him to build this boat because rain was going to come. And what happened? God's long-suffering ran out, and the rains started coming. And then the, you know, the foundations of the deep were broken up, and Noah and his family were saved. Why? Because he responded by faith to God's word. Simple faith. But because he responded in faith, he was a witness to the world around him. He condemned the world, and he became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. He showed the world around us how to, to walk righteously, to walk rightly, which is to respond to the Lord. And so all these things are all things that we all want to be as believers. We want to be worshipers. We want to walk with God, right? We want to be witnesses, and we want to be workers of the, of the Lord for salvation. All these things are all based simply on responding to what God says in his word. People have written thousands of books about the Christian life, and I'm not saying those books are bad. I, I mean, I love books about the Christian life. But this new year, let's begin with the simplicity of what the Lord says. In that year, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. And what did he do? He responded to the Lord's word, who will go for me? And he said, Lord, here I am, send me. In the same way, the Lord's word has given us promises and, and amazing promises and blessings if we'll just respond to the Lord and see what he'll do. Calvary Chapel, we have a distinctive, you might not know this, that is characterized by a venture of faith. It's, it's our history. It's, it's what the Lord, how the Lord began working in our movement to step out in faith to see what the Lord will do. Let's take a venture of faith this year and step out and see what the Lord will do. If we fall, then we fall. But we know God is faithful, right? We know that he'll work out his promises for us to do great and mighty things.